Hello and welcome to another episode of the Viva Bastardo show brought to you by the Haggerty Podcast Network. Today we have one of my favorite watch brands, the designer and founder, Benoit Mintiens, uh, Resonance Watches. We talk about the gravitational pull of traditional watch design. We talk about the uselessness of the chronograph. We talk about electric cars. It's, it's utterly fascinating. So let's get into it. Here I am. I'm back. Is that Concorde in the back? Yes. Oh. It is the uh, picture taken during the brake tests. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, it's 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 just beautiful. It's the most, I think, the most beautiful product ever designed. You know what? I I have to say I cannot disagree. It's and and every time I see it, my heart breaks slightly that it I, that it does not exist anymore. It almost feels like yeah. we're going backwards in product design. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes, yeah. My, yeah my, it it is such a um, um, well an amazing adventure first of all, but also the the fact that it's it's pure purely form follows function. Yeah. And extremely beautiful, yeah, and elegant, yeah, and and that this, this combination is is so. My cousin used to fly on that regularly. Oh, and I was he's so a wealthy person. Well, he was he worked for Lazare Frère, so he was you know he was a big banker and all the rest of it. So he was always, but it was apparently it was it was remarkably small inside, but also it would get very hot. Huh. Because of the supersonic speeds would heat up the skin of the plane, and then you'd be yeah. you know. But I think you know. I, never, I don't think people were complaining could, inside. Uh, I have um, uh, a member of my family is a pilot, and he he saw the crash in Paris. No, really. Yeah, yeah. He was he just landed when the Concorde took off, and he was like, and it was like, he he was pilot for it was his third week or something like yeah. that. You know, he was like completely panicked when he saw it. Well, I can imagine. It's, <clears throat> but they had a, a very uh, strong reaction from the the airline company you worked for. They said, "Okay, you now fly back immediately." So because he was oh, because they, did they think day. it was a, they thought it might be a terrorist attack or yeah, no, no, no. It was no, no. no it was like when you fell fall ah, off your horse, right, 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 you have right. Okay, to go back immediately, right. okay. or you never okay. Oh, ride that's a, a horse that's anymore. a really interesting. Uh, that's such an interesting idea. I, you would have to think that that psychology is based on research. Like they have, because I feel like in the aviation business, <laughs> yeah. they have protocols for everything. So if your pilot well, yeah, sees a crash, everything. you know, immediately get in a plane and fly somewhere. <laughs> are we yeah, recording? Think, is this all? I don't know. Right. We oh, are. Oh, we are. Okay. Yeah, so oh, yeah. all right. I've just started. Okay. Um, so okay. Okay, okay. So we have to be a bit more serious now. No, 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 <laughs> no. no, no <laughs> on the contrary. That was fascinating. <laughs> So sometimes uh, there's a big chance there will be, um, uh, how do you call it, uh, ambulances, police cars, uh, fire Benoit, brigades. You're you're talking uh, to someone who lives. You're talking to someone who's in New York. <laughs> uh, it, feels, it feels like Chicago here uh, it, sometimes. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry for that. The ambulances uh, and the police sirens is the bird song of New York. So. <laughs> so so first yeah. of all, I am of course wearing the Type Five. Ooh. Wow, thank you very much. Uh, well, no, look, man. I mean, I've been a fan. The, the, the moment I saw you, I, I'm, there's going to be an awkward period of adulation on my part, and then you, and then because we're both European, okay. you will have, you'll be embarrassed. I'll go through it. If you're I'll American, you would just embrace it. 
Yeah, yeah, but I'm European. Yeah, so you, it'll be awkward. So uh, I just, I'm, I've been a massive fan of of of, um, of Ressence for a long time. I mean, really, the moment I saw it. But in part, I think the most, the, the reason I love it so much is the audacity. Because I'm an artist. And when you're an artist, you have to create a language, your own particular language. And then you, it's almost like being a dictator. You have to create a world and then hopefully people will believe in your in your in the, and they will learn the language you've created and that's kind of yeah. what you've done well, you created a language a brand even as a as an artist that's well, creating a brand sure well uh, well yeah you, well that's you're right i mean each project you do as an artist adds to your brand but as a but in the context of watches you created a completely new visual language and that mm-hmm. requires real courage because it's mm-hmm. such it's it's a much harder path well no, <laughs> no, Phil. Everything you said is rubbish. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not. It's not. I understand why you say it, but um, this is when you look at it from the perspective of a watchmaker. Um, but if you look at it from the perspective of an industrial designer, what I am, mm. uh, it is a a, a lot more uh, logical uh, step to make um, because you have a very different. Uh, way of, of looking at what a product should be and what it should do and, and how it should look um, then uh, I would say a traditional watchmaker okay it's it's I'm putting here uh, uh, very uh, black and white uh, images but the, the, the real idea is is, is that uh, when you are an industrial designer you you look uh, when you design a product, you look at it from a very different perspective. Huh? Um, and, uh, well, the result is, yeah, can be in many things. Uh, with Ressence, it, 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 uh, it has a very specific... And then, once you have this basic concept, then comes in the brand dimension and say, okay, now you have a basic concept. How are you going to build that for the future? How are you going to uh, expand that how you're going to develop that more and more how how are you going to reinvent yourself um so there is there is this let's say this core this nucleus of 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 your creation the the, the basic concept of what you do and then you start to put you know, um, layers uh, uh, different directions you build it in different ways um and and you know, for me it's it's a very obvious uh, thing well, to look, do. I, I totally agree, but but for in, in to just continue the metaphor of dictator, when like when I make when I make a when I make a project, I, I'm I you know when you when you think of an idea, it's always incredibly obvious to you. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. thing that I think about is that I'm cognizant of the fact that ideas that are very clear to me, more often than not, are not clear to other people. So, for instance, this design, yeah. this kind of this kind of language this visual language makes perfect sense to you but in the context of horology it's entirely new and so what you're doing is it it, it, what i think my like when i it's funny when i post the ressence watch on instagram i get the most likes of any and i remember i think you mentioned this in one of your interviews i get the most likes of any watch i post but one of the other things that often happens is that people say oh how do you read the watch i don't know what time it is Right, mm-hmm. because yeah. you've created this and, language, and they have to learn that language. And, well, yes and no. Um, you know, uh, we conducted a, um, a survey with um, a professor in uh, Harvard. Uh, it's a neuroscience professor, and sure. 
he approached us. Uh, he was conducting a study about the process in the brain between reading an information on a dial and your uh, orientation in the dimension of time. So there is this, uh, it was a study uh, far beyond my <laughs> capabilities, um, but he said, the way you represent time is uh, potentially more uh, effective and more efficient than a traditional watch because you apply ergonomical uh, patterns or you apply ergonomical uh, aspects that are um, a lot more, um, yeah, I would say, uh, ergonomical seen from his studies, um, more applicable uh, to than, than normal uh, watchmaking. I have a question. Do you hear all the discussions in the room? No. Okay. Just your own words of wisdom. So there is a noise, noise cancellation in the, <laughs> in the system. Well, I mean, but hang on, so, what I was going to say about it is that is that it's interesting because when you get, when I look... But you wear it, you wear it, so you will have noticed that maybe the first five minutes you yeah. say, okay, okay, wh what was it again? But once... Once you have, once you wear it, it's not the subject anymore. It's a bit like that's exactly going right. From, yeah, it's it's going from an automatic car that to a manual shift shift car. You you don't really think about it. No, you're exactly right. And I think my yeah. point, my, what's interesting to me, and when, and the thing I always say to people when they say, "Oh, I can't tell the time," is exactly what you're saying. Is that I find that almost everything in life is an acquired habit. And horology mm -hmm. has deeply entrenched ho acquired habits, right? <laughs> There's a yeah. particular way of telling the time. So when you have a d new language, the way you've created, like you've created, it's, it's mm -hmm. a, you have to spend five minutes learning that new language and then it becomes, and then you're fluent in it. But initially mm -hmm. you look at it and you're confused because you're so entrenched in this habit of how you look yeah. at a watch, what a watch is supposed to look like. But Phil, I will also add that um, actually it's not so far away uh, from what you know, uh, because what what our brain is doing when we read the time, usually, I think 80% of the time, you are looking for the minute hand because you know the hour you're in. So you just want to check uh, if you're on time or not. So what your brain does, your brain is an extremely efficient uh, tool uh, and very lazy tool. And so it, what it does is it only searches for the longest hand. It's a hierarchy uh, in the size of the hands. So it's not and it's it's really not looking at where it's it's pointing it's just an angle it's kind of ref, a reflection of an image that you look right. at and your brain transforms that image into an orientation in the dimension of time and so um very often uh if i ask you even 3 seconds later what was the time on your watch you'll say i don't know but i still have time <laughs> so Right. You, you, you. So your brain is not, is not, is the 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 angle is a kind of indication of. Do, in this angle, can I do what I want to do within this angle? And um, well, you're talking about the and, idea of the brain kind of always. The, the brain often operates with in, with partial knowledge, with with a, oh, yeah. a, with a small amount of knowledge, and then it fills out the rest. It's kind of like yep. it's like yep. it's like it's almost like a for instance in a in a movie if you see someone walking to a car and then you cut away but then you hear the sound of the car door closing your mind completes the rest of the action. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit that yes indeed. But really the the the, the basic uh, the basic uh, concept and I, I it was one of my 
let's say, starting specifications I imposed myself as a designer was to say, okay, uh, we should keep the cognitive patterns that we all know, even though they are not so good because you and I and everybody, uh, we had to learn how to read the time on a watch. Uh, this is not something intuitive. Um, so when you look at it from a, let's say, hardcore point of view of a designer, you should never represent the time the way it's represented because you need to learn it. But once you know it, it's super efficient. Uh, be because again, you look at an image. You, you don't look at, okay, what is it meaning right. here or there? Or which, right. which minute is it? No, you just say, okay, this is the angle. Okay, I have enough time. Okay, so let me ask you this then. What would be the most intuitive way of representing time other than a digital watch with numbers? Is there, an, I mean, I'm sure you, I feel you're, you're almost, you're almost, you're, the, you're like, you're a conceptual artist in a lot of ways, the way you are, yeah. I mean, so what would that be? Have you thought, I'm sure you've thought about it. Of course, uh, we did. Um, we did an, an exercise uh, when we were 10 years old, where we had a concept. It was, of course, very, let's say, basic still, or, or, or um, embryo type of concept. But the the, the idea was really, how do you represent time in the most efficient way? Um, and I think the most efficient way to represent an information is color. So if you have, if you can associate a color with a dimension um, or an orientation within that, within a certain dimension, uh, you can be more efficient. There is nothing to read, it's just a color. And the color is, uh, your brain needs yeah, just nothing the time your brain needs to process a color is so short that uh, it becomes super efficient but but then it's it's not so precise uh, if it's light orange or maybe darker so orange, it's, a, it's like a, it's like ish o'clock do you know what i mean like yeah, it's nine ish, ish. ish o'clock yeah. <laughs> right. yeah but then on the other hand um you have these uh maniacs uh that would say yeah but uh, the seconds and the how many milliseconds and things but we as humans, we don't, we don't live to the second. We don't even live to the minute. We live to five minutes, maybe. Uh, or the Italians, they live an hour. <laughs> yes, several hours, but several hours. It depends a bit. The Germans to the minute. And then, so. <laughs> right. But, but, the, um, but the idea is that as you all, we make a tool in the end. Huh? When you create a watch, uh, basically you make, you make a tool uh, to represent the time. So... How precise should be your tool if the function of that tool is, if, if the extra functionality, meaning the extra precision in the expression of the time is not necessary. Um, so you should also, as, as a product designer, um, don't over-design it uh, in a sense. Uh, you, should, you should also stop somewhere and say, okay, how can we make it more efficient, but maybe less precise in the reading? Uh, that's always I, that's that's I find um, that must be quite hard to know the finishing point because I, as a again as an artist I find that sometimes you can become so oh, that's me not you so sometimes as an artist you, you can become so involved in a project that you begin to you you sort of you you speak too long if that makes any sense and I imagine for a designer an industrial designer you can talk too long if you know if you understand the metaphor. So how do you know when, then, you, when you've reached yeah. the point where it's just the right amount of salt in the soup? A creative process is rarely finished. Um, so, and you and I and, and all people that create, they, they face this 
point where they say, should I stop now or should I not stop now? Very often it's easy because there's no money anymore or something like that, or no <laughs> right. time anymore. So you have to stop. Um, um, I think one of the, um, maybe the, 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 the strength I have is that I learned to stop uh, because I worked as an industrial design consultant uh, before I did design. And as a consultant, you work per hour and you need to sell every hour of your work. Uh, this is how the business model is built. Um, so if you can do the same thing in, or if you can meet the specifications in less time, you are a better designer or a better consultant, let's say. Well, more lucrative. Um, it's a more lucrative. Uh... <laughs> okay, lucrative. Yes. I would, I would suspect. <laughs> you would be very European about that. You, yeah. <laughs> Uh, depends on the price you sold the project, but <laughs> right. the, the basic the basic is is there. Um, if if you if you can, and this I, I think this is um, yeah it's it's difficult, but it also requires certain techniques. Um, and for example, in the beginning of my career as a designer, I worked long hours every weekend, uh, late at night, uh, but towards the end I didn't do that anymore. I, I was finished on time. And instead of presenting three or five projects, I just presented one. And my bosses, they were like, what? We sold three projects. You cannot go to the client with only one. I said, yeah, but this is what they want. Um, and so That's uh, fascinating. And you, that, that's so interesting because... Um, I yeah, but, but you can do that by analyzing the real problem they have. Because they tell you what they, what they need, but they don't tell everything. And so... You as a as a consultant, you need to instead of starting to draw and design and things and conceptual, uh, make conceptual uh, drawings or whatever, you have to go back to your customer and be with him and ask again and again. And how does you how do you produce? And what is who are the stakeholders? And all the questions that you often don't ask. Um, but in the end, if you really ask them and you go. Th- to the end and you really understand the, the problem that he has and then you come with a concept you say okay you can defend every decision uh, towards your customer so they don't even ask for another one they say okay that's perfect uh, maybe i don't like yellow i would prefer green right. but all right that's fine we'll do a green one <laughs> so do you feel that um, do you uh, do you feel that when you look back at everything you've done everything led to where you are now in a, do, yeah. you, do you know what I mean? Okay, but I don't have two lives also, so uh, it's not so easy to answer that question. <laughs> well, you're right. There's again. no right. Okay, there's no, there's no nothing to <laughs> there's nothing to compare to. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I've but also it's true that that you built you built something during your life, and at a certain point, I, I wouldn't be able to start a, a watch brand, let's say uh, eight years earlier, for example. I wasn't ready. Right. Um, and uh, also as a designer, I, I felt like I was doing okay after only seven or eight years doing it. It's 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 a process you go through, um, and uh, yeah, you look and 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 you build, yeah, you build steps, you build things, and and it's true that watchmaking is the product watch um, is um, is is at the crossroad of many of my. Um, interests fields of interest and so uh thanks to that yeah i i, I think 
What are some of those fields of interest, Benoit? Well, yes, uh, when you look at the resource, um, I could have do like, I would say many Kickstarter brands and do just maybe a new strap or maybe a new dial color or finish or whatever. Um, but the interesting, I think that uh, when you when you are able to, I'll start a bit earlier. Um, a product is um, has many dimensions and uh, creative dimensions. And uh, a watch is one of those very few products uh, that I believe correspond to nearly all the dimensions um, I'm really interested in. And it's a wide, wide range of dimensions. I'll give you a few. Of course, there is the aesthetics. There is, of course, the ergonomics of a watch, but there is also the mechanism. There is the, you have the ergonomics of on the wrist, but you also have the ergonomics of how you read it. Uh, there is um, the, the price, uh, there is the production, there is the social aspect of it, very important. There is the, um, the, the, the brand that you have to design uh, there was no brand recent, so you have to create it and this whole world around it. Let's say these are the dimensions you work in. And then you have to make sure that you go a step further in each of those dimensions. You bring it further. Ergonomics, I'll bring it further. I'll make it more comfortable. I'll make it, so maybe I'll make it more organic or I'll make it more light. Um, I'll make it more readable. So let's put some oil in it. Um, I'll make it more useful. Let's put some IoT in it. Um, I'll Wait, make hang it, on. What's IoT? Uh, <laughs> huh? What's IoT? <laughs> IoT, Internet of Things. Oh, of course. Yeah, I, sorry, yeah, I thought sorry. that was I thought that was uh, an obscure. No, I know IoT, I, but, but I that thought was, that was very nerdy of me. <laughs> You're talking to uh, <laughs> uh, someone who's a nerd overlord, Bunwa. No, I, I just thought that was an, I thought that was a very obscure horological term because I, I, I'm yeah. I've sort of approached horology. I, I've only been a watch collector for a very short amount of time, and and I sort of approach it from um, much like a, 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 as an outsider in a way that you are, although I'm actually, I am actually now beginning to make my own watch, which is a very interesting idea. Um, but I don't want to talk about that, but I, I want to, right. I'm, um, but I, I just finished my explanation yeah, please do. and then uh, yeah, no, please continue. So the idea is that if you can bring all these dimensions to another level and because that's okay, you can do that. But if you can make them all coherent with each other, you get a new reality. And it's that that I tried to achieve with Resence. Um, it's you see, it's it's another reality of watchmaking. It's different, um, but all the dimensions and all the the parameters of the aspects that define the watch um, need to be coherent. And I I think that's part of why Resence is a bit different, and that people recognize it as different. Okay, sorry. No, no, no. That, that was no. Um, <laughs> Well, first of all, a bit different. That would be, I could, you could be, that's English understatement is saying Ressence is a bit different. It's radically different. Um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, so, okay. This is the thing that's interesting to me. Um, well, there's a lot of things, but so you, you sit down, um, you create this visual language, presumably. I mean, I'm not, how, how long does that, to, to sort of come up with this idea of disassembling the idea of how we look at time. What, what was the, is that, is that like a weekend of feverish scratching or is that months and months of, <laughs> of tortured, you know, artists, you know, pain? Uh -huh. <laughs> um, actually, you, 
you um, it's an it's a it's a process it's a mental process uh, that goes on for yeah for months or years sure. um, and at the but you have this idea of okay I would like to mm-hmm, a watch whatever um, and at, at a certain point you say okay let's let's draw something uh, let's put something on paper um, and that's where you start to yeah to to see physically okay is it working your idea or is it not working uh, and and then you go a step further you you put it in a 3d model you, you you test it in a 3d model because you can have a nice idea but if the watch would have been like 20 millimeter thick it would not have worked so you also need to be creative mechanically and inside the watch you have to make sure that your nice concept that you invent on the outside also works on the inside so it's not enough that's why i say all these dimensions must be related must must be coherent with each other um, and if if they're not it doesn't work but how do you make that um, leap how do you make the leap from okay i've got this visual language that i've designed now i'm going to make an oil-filled watch that's a i mean is there did you have technical background technical experience that allowed you to understand that that was possible how did you make you that don't leap need to you don't need to um if you if you ever been to a, on a sailing boat in your life you will have seen that they have a compass on each sailing boat or a big sailing boat has a compass and inside that compass you have a liquid and you have the compass inside that moves and um it's very weird when you look at it that it seems that the whole the whole ball of glass is is filled with the compass but it's not possible you know there is a thickness of there's a wall thickness of the plastic or the glass and then there is some oil between the the part that moves inside so but you don't see that so there is a visual effect that you get when you look at products and i think that's our job as designers is to be very strong observators um you you see things and you you grab that, you take that, and you say, okay, um, this is a nice effect. How can I translate that? And with the Ressence, of course, there was, uh, with the Series 1 and the Zero Series, there was already the dial, the, the flat dial. Um, I call it the mechanical screen. Um, and then if you add oil, you, yeah, I, I just tested it. I took, it, I took a Zero Series. Um, and I filled it with liquid to see the so effect. Did you get? That was, did you? Was that where the inspiration came from? Was a compass on a on a boat? Were you on a boat? And you're like, ah, oh, that would be fascinating to use that. Tech. I'm just curious. I'm always curious about origins of say. things. It's, right. it's very hard to say where it comes from. That's why I think you suck in things all the time, right. um, and our brain sometimes rejects uh, something. Um, and here, yes, it was. I think it was more a bottle, a half-filled bottle. You know. So and and it was, if I'm right, it was a um, it was a bottle where the the label was also printed on the inside, and so you ah. could read through the water. You could read the inside of the label, yeah, from the inside. Ah, uh-huh, that's interesting. And it it looked it looked interesting, but you could also say, look at an aquarium with a fish in it. Uh, when you look at the corner, you have a fish on both corners, but there is only one fish, but you see two. Right. Uh, so where where where's the real fish? <laughs> so so you you yeah this this these graphical effects that you get uh, with uh, light refraction is very interesting. Um, and so yes, I think it, it must have come from there something where you see okay with liquid you get a new effect you get a new result. Um, 
and you get basically you get a, a stronger uh, graphical image uh, because you will notice on your you will notice on your watch the the graphical contrast is super strong uh, and there's a good reason for that because you you eliminate all these internal refraction of light inside your watch. Um, because the glass has nearly the same uh, refraction index as the oil inside your watch. And so basically, you're, you can do the test uh, this evening when you're at home. Um, you take your Type 5, you take it off when you're cooking. And instead <laughs> of taking the salt and put it in your pot, you put some salt on your dial. And suddenly, you will see that the, the hands are like two millimeters lower. R really? Um, yeah, just try it. You'll see. <laughs> okay. Um, so our brain is tricked uh, by this effect, uh, by the, the, the graphical effect of the refraction of light. Um, it thinks it happens where you see it. But if you put a, a little bit of salt on the, on the dial, suddenly your brain has another reference point. And so it puts... Ah. The dial That's a lot fascinating. Lower, I mean, you know, what, it is in reality. You know what's amazing about this? What the oil-filled watch is that you've created this this thing that's extraordinarily complicated mechanically, but visually it looks entirely artificial. Like it almost mm -hmm. looks in, in it, this. The, when often people who know nothing about watches assume this is some sort of digital thing, yeah. and there's that kind yeah. of there, there's that in, there's that fascinating tension that's happening between this incredibly mm -hmm. mechanical organic thing happening versus this digital appearance on this on the top yeah. of it. Well, um, you know, when I look at you and I look to people, uh, you have a face and you express things on your face. It looks very simple. You express, yeah, you have a smile, sure. you have whatever. But inside, there is very complicated processes that are, and you hear something, you process, you, you smile or you say, mm, what? Uh, you, you have reactions um, and uh, it's a bit comparable. Um, we humans interact with products like we interact with other humans. Our brain is still a uh, neo, ne, neanderthaler uh, brain. Um, and so our brain did not evolve as fast as, as we evolved in societies. Um, and products are certainly not part of it. Um, so we don't have, a, we don't have a, a brain processing system that processes for people and then also processes differently for products. Uh, that is why you have people that are in love with their whatever computer or or or, uh, or a smartphone. Right. Um, they they cannot make the difference, or they have difficulties in making this difference. And so, when you design a product, uh, you should also apply these same logics. Uh, it shouldn't be complicated because someone that is complicated, you want to really want to be friends with someone that is complicated. No, you don't. You want to have, be friends with someone that is transparent someone that when you say something it comes back and you yes indeed it's you there is a a certain so the way we relate with 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 people is very comparable to the, the way we relate with products and that is why a renaissance dial is looks simple it's straightforward it's like an honest person looks straightforward i would actually um, argue man that i would argue that the the complexity like, I want to be friends with someone who's complicated, but in the right way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing yes, about a resource. But then, is, is but then you look it's, for something interesting. That's right. Um, and, okay, you can be interesting. A resource is, okay, in a way, it's interesting. It, it's, okay, it's different. How, who are you? You know, you say something different than 
all the other watches I know, all the other people I know, you are an interesting person, but you're straightforward. I can, I can perfectly understand what you're telling me. Right. Um, so this, uh, this, this logics that, that, that I think we all should apply when we design products, um, it, it's <clears> very, <throat> very, it's as if you would design a person uh easy uh, uh, a simple person but you you it's it's really you should think the same way when you design a product um then we, you would think of a person and how personality how does it react how does it behave how does it look um and uh, is it, does it look good is it is it attractive uh is also a role that we all have uh, you 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 did your hair this morning. Well, there's a reason for that. You could not have done it, and it would be perfect also. But no, you didn't. Uh, so because we are in a, in a system, our brain works in a certain way. Um, evolution has done that uh, to us, uh, and so yes, it's the same for products. I could have made an ugly watch with the same functionality. Maybe I would have been less successful. It's because being nice, looking good, is part of it. Right. Well, that, yeah, as you say, that, that's the way that culture is structured. Um, yep. So uh, as, you, as, as I said earlier, um, I, I managed to get my eager hands on one of those Silberstein creations, the co collaboration that you did with, uh, with Alain Silberstein. Yep, with Alain. Yeah. Um, and it's very interesting because um, I've been looking at his watches for years now. I, Find, I find them so intriguing and it's, and it's always interesting to see someone who created at a very specific point in time um, to have their art refracted through the prism of contemporary society, like of, of now versus then. And, and, yeah. and I look at Anna's work and, and I look at the way in which it's been refracted through the prism of Ressence and it's, uh, this is going to sound rude and I don't mean to sound rude, but it's so much more accessible and so much better in a way. Um, it, it's, 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 it's the right amount of salt in the soup, if that makes any sense <laughs> at all. Uh, yeah. and, and I really love, I really love what he's done, what you've done, what you guys done, have done together. And it occurred to me that Ressence, and I, look, I, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm world famous amongst my friends for always giving people advice that they've never asked for. <laughs> <laughs> so, so please, and we're not friends, but I mean, barely met. So I'm just going to, but it occurred to me that Ressence is, just so, tell me. I'm just going to tell you, Benoit, I'm just going to tell you. So yeah. it occurred okay. to me that, 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 that Ressence has this extraordinary um, platform because of the way you've designed to do these collaborations with visual artists in a way that no other watch can do, because you have this kind of extraordinary mm -hmm. canvas that is so uh, fluid and different that you can, you can, you can work with art in a way that other other watches can't really do at all. Um, that's well, my that's my totally unsolicited. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, and and time, uh, you 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 can only define time by by a change. Otherwise, you have no time. Uh, time stops when things stops. Uh, so um, the the motion is uh, is is directly related to the notion of time um so if um and that's why also alain uh because it's alain that picked Ressence. uh he it's it's uh waco that asked alain and he said okay let's let's go for Ressence because it it's a moving dial it's it's like time it's a kind of metaphor of, of time um so if if you can yeah motion is 
is an interesting element when you represent time. But, but hands also move, eh? but uh, it's less visual. That's for sure. For sure. Do you have um, any, Do you have any plans for other collaborations with artists, or is that all top secret? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All top secret. <laughs> Say no more. Well, look, I'm very excited to see because it's it's a it's a unique visual platform for as i said just to it it, it allows yeah. a, a a breadth of expression that i don't think any other kind of technology watch technology does um mm. so so what was it what was it like working with him because i've i've seen interviews with him and he seems like this extraordinarily um uh, this is a stupid thing to say he just seems so alive uh-huh. do you know what i mean Alain, um when i started resource um his company was was uh, towards the end of his company when he was selling watches, huh? not doing these collapse he does now. Um, and we were together in the same area of the booth of the Basel World uh, uh, tent. Uh, watch, watch, whatever. I don't know the name anymore. Um, and Alain was was a very honest person. Um, he was also very accessible uh, to me um, because, you know, I came from nowhere, basically. I just arrived uh, in Basel. I had absolutely no contacts. I didn't know anyone. Um, and so, yeah, in the end of the day... Were I you showing the original... Around. Sorry, you were showing the original Restance watch when you were at Basel? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first prototypes. Okay. And, uh, and so Alain was also there, among other brands, of course. Uh, but when he was one of these few persons that said, you know what, I see you're starting. Um, it's interesting what you do. Let me know if I can help you. Um, it, it was a very, very warm, well, relation, maybe not yet, but a very warm uh, approach he had uh, towards colleagues. Mm. Um, and so we always kept a very, um, a very nice relation uh, in all these years, um, because then Alain, stopped a bit and then now he started again but so for me it was um it was a positive one of these people that you want to keep as a friend close to you um even though yeah he was far away from me uh physically and yeah in his life uh but um but still um a very very positive person and um, and it's it's Alain that came with the design. Actually, he designed it for. Uh, we did a COVID uh, watch in, during the COVID period, um, and he was one of those. There, there were a few others, but uh, he was one of the, the colleagues who designed also a watch. I don't know if you know the COVID project was during COVID. Well, there was no activity anymore, and we decided to uh, support the research on COVID by creating a just one watch um and we asked basically we asked our instagram community to design to come oh, up yeah, with it i remember that and, and so the winner we would produce it and then sell it and the money would go uh, to a university here in, in belgium that that does research on, on viruses um and and alain was one of them uh and so yeah you just send it in but uh uh well in the end it was someone else that that got the prize but um so he had thought about it. Uh, and so let's say the basic concept was there. He, he changed it a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, through Waco uh, and Grail Watch, he came, uh, he came I, back. I'm so it. excited to get my hands on it, man. I, I cannot tell you how excited I am about that watch. So do you have, do you think you have, um, 
well, this may this may fall under the uh, the, the the top secret <laughs> banner. Mm-hmm. But uh, do you feel like there are other areas you want to kind of take your Ressence idea into uh, mm. beyond watches, or is it you're going to stick to watches? Um, many people ask this, but I've been to all these areas already in my okay. previous career. Um, I've done all these things. Um, so uh, the, the the nice thing about the company I worked for is that it was a generalistic generalist in des- industrial design. So the, the number of fields I worked for in 12 years was just yeah, crazy. It went all directions, everything you can imagine. I probably worked for uh, in all these years. So for me, I came to watches exactly because I did all the others. And right. uh, it's, it's or cars or watches. Uh, but cars is too complicated to do on your own, uh, or at least to design on your own. Um, but but watches is, is possible. Are you are you uh, so, much of a, a car person yourself or or not? Yes. Oh, you yes. are. Uh, this this weekend, yeah, this weekend we we uh, we sponsored a. Uh, um, I saw a concours, the a concours d'elegance uh, here in, in Antwerp. What 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 one? Um, the Maserati, I think one is that right? <laughs> yeah, we gave we gave the Maserati the design <laughs> prize, but uh, it's. Uh, you know, the, the, that's the easy, Benoit. That is easy to give that kind of car the design prize. It wasn't even mentioned by the jury, the, oh. the, other, the, the professional jury guys. Okay. They, they didn't even talk about it. Why? Because it had because you cannot imagine if you want to win a competition like that, your car needs to be 50 years old, but it should never drive. <laughs> uh, and it should be completely original as if. It comes out of the showroom without any repainting, without the, your right. seats must be perfect. You see, so it is, it's a logic I I don't understand really. Uh, at a certain point, there was a, a very nice car, but it didn't, it didn't run. Uh, so I said, but is it a car if it doesn't drive? You cannot give a price to a, pro- <laughs> a, a product that does, that does not do its job. Right. It's like, it's like buying a watch that does not work right or without the hands or something like that so you and they were like looking at me like what, what are you saying I said, yeah but you ask me so we took a car that had a crash during a race in spa francorchamps um so they had to rebuild the car it went back to maserati they changed the engine also they put a, a heavier engine because it's a race car and so you can improve the car so it went through a whole life um, and, and I think that is interesting, uh, and that's also a dimension I, I believe we as Ressence uh, will go into if means allow me to do it, is to have uh, evolutive designs, uh, have, have products that evolve in time. What does that um, mean then? I mean, because when you say well, that, immediately I just think of, I, I think of like software upgrades. Right. With your smartphone, you have sure. updates. Sure. Uh, you have you have n- new functionalities that that come. You have the same hardware, but you get new functionalities. Well, you could perfectly think of that when you design the product. That maybe over five years your product will evolve. So most people think, oh, another strap maybe. No, no, no. You you can really go further with that. And the platform that we designed with Type Two, that's the Internet of Things uh, watch. Um, you can. It has been designed so the hardware inside the watch does allow more than the watch does today. Um, it's just that we we did not develop the software behind it 
to activate these components, but they are already there. And so one, one day when I will have time and money enough, um, I will start to develop new functionalities for those watches. So people that bought the watch two years ago, they will be able to get an upgrade and have new functions. So this in is their watch. this is look this is that's utterly fascinating. And here's the question I suppose is what are those functionalities that are actually functional and relevant to people's lives today? Because when you think of watches, you know, you have a stopwatch or you have a moon phase and I just don't care about any of that stuff. Like I know that it looks nice but what what happened? <laughs> new headphones? <laughs> I can't hear you anymore. I can't. I, can't, I lost audio. You hear me? Oh, yeah, now I can yeah. hear you. What happened? <laughs> when there's no wire. <laughs> okay. Functionality problem. Um, so what Sorry, I was, so now I'm like you. I yeah. have a wire. Okay. So what I was saying was that the, the, the functionality that exists in, in watches today really bears no connection to, to mo for the most part to our lives. Like no one really needs a chronometer. No one needs a stopwatch. No one needs a moon phase. No one needs... So, uh, and even the day and the date, I find slightly useless. Um, so when you talk about functionality, what would you, have you got, a, I'm sure you've thought, I mean, Bunma, you seem like you think about absolutely everything 24-7. So I'm sure you've spent, you know, <laughs> months and years obsessing over the, what would be those functionalities that would be relevant to us now? Well, I will start by saying which ones we will never do. Uh, for example, a chronograph. Uh, even though I like it, it's a beautiful function. Uh, graphically, it's beautiful, uh, but nobody uses it. Sure. Um, so it's a question I get often. When will you make your chronograph? Well, probably never, uh, because you will not use it. You will just try it in the store, and then once you will show it to your wife, and maybe the first weekend you will show your wife it's very practical because you will boil your eggs with it. <laughs> I was going to say eggs. It's always eggs. It. It's always eggs. Nothing else but eggs. It's, yeah, because it's three minutes or four. Then what uh, you should do is you should design a visual hourglass thing so you could just specifically four eggs. That would, <laughs> just with an egg <laughs> yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. That would, be, that would be a functional thing because you're saying this is what yeah. you're using it for. Just for boiling your eggs. Yeah. Um, but it's um, so, yes, indeed, we think of uh, functionality a lot. Um, it's really at the core uh, of what we do. Um, I cannot answer exactly uh, to your question because I think every function that we have has a reason, um, if you want. Um, but it comes back to this uh, basic concept of um, the relevance of a product. Um, when we design uh, our watches, but it should be the case for every product, you always have to put the function uh, at the core. Um, and uh, if if a product is less functional, it's less relevant. So the more functionality you can give the product, meaning functionality is a combination of doing something uh, in an easy way for you, so it's adapted, so the concept of ergonomics comes in. But once you, you, you do that, uh, your product is, is relevant. Um, Okay, so if you don't if okay. you don't do that, for example, if you make a chronograph and the price half of the price of your product is defined by the fact you have a function that you never use, um, then it makes less sense. Um, so 
Um, yeah, of course. Well, what you, I mean, the thing, the chronographs, I mean, the reason we have, it's the burden of habit, right? I, I, I think yeah. there's so much industrial design and graphic design is, yeah. is, is overwhelmed by the burden of habit and passion and history, right? So yeah. there's yeah. chronographs because there's chronographs because there's chronographs. But, but yeah. okay, but so uh, oh, I'm going to put, I'm going to press you, Benoit. If you were going to say one, if you, if, and I, maybe it's all top secret, but if you're mm -hmm. going to, what would be one thing that would be relevant to our lives as a function on a watch, like other than the, the, the boiled egg, the egg timer? <laughs> <laughs> um, what can I say? Um, for me, the, 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 we talked about the, a more efficient way of uh, representing the time is for me, uh, the, the basic function uh, of a watch. So um, uh, if you can improve that, um, if you can make a watch more easy to read, more easy, let's not not to read. If the, the way the watch represents a moment in time in a better way, you will get a better product. Um, and I come back to um, the, the story I told you about this uh, professor at Harvard. Um, we went further than just testing Ressence. We went further by applying basically what he learned during his study. And um, and he gave me like a crush course. He said, yeah, okay, this, these are the five parameters that the brain mainly uses to absorb an information. And, and if you if you can pre prepare the information this way or you package it that way, it's gonna work uh, a lot faster for the brain. And so, this is something, uh, a project that we did. Uh, we didn't come out with it yet, but I hope one day I'll do it. Um, it, it was a, a watch concept, quite close basically to what we have, but nevertheless different than what we have today, um, where we could improve by 50% uh, the efficiency of reading a time on a dial. Um, and um, today, if, if you do these studies in a scientific way, you will see that when you read the time and you have an average time of 0 0.65 seconds to read your dial, um, you will have 63% of the people that will have recorded the right time. So if you check your watch and you just walk on, 63% of the people uh, know actually the time. Um, but with this new concept that we'd worked on, we came to a result of ab above 90%. So we could we can improve still we can improve a lot about just the basic function of a watch and i'm not changing the way you read the time it's it's not reinventing or becoming digital or with numbers or something it's really with a hand like you have it but configured differently um, uh, the hierarchy of the information is done differently and if you apply all these uh, rules that match the way your brain works you get a much more efficient way of representing the time. I would just say that to answer your question, um, um, because yes, we have a date and we have a day and we have uh, seconds and things like that. We do have them, um, but in the end, the basic function, just say, okay, how late is it, um, can already be improved. That's interesting. I am. I've been toying with. I, <laughs> I had a very. Uh, I've been. I had an idea for a, a, a watch, that, <laughs> and it would be you take the average lifespan of a human being, and it would mm -hmm. and it would count backwards. 
in second, in minutes. So when you look at it, all it would tell you is how much time you have left from your on your yeah on your average on your average, which is a way of looking at time, but an entirely different way. But then uh, maybe it would they would persuade you to waste less time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we waste a lot of time. That's right. Um, In our lives, uh, we are spoiled, of course, uh, in our uh, in our lives. uh, But um, I think, um, yeah. Maybe it's a good concept. I, I, I don't <laughs> know. I feel, him, I feel. I, I feel make like everyone it, aware. It would be. I think it'd be very. It's a very depressing concept. But who knows? Maybe you would find yourself much more efficient because you go. Oh, look! I just wait. I'm. I'm five minutes closer yeah. to my my at my yeah. death. Uh, yeah, but then you have the people that say, "Ah, you sh- your life shouldn't be about efficiency, Phil." <laughs> well, it's not about efficiency. It's about maximizing whatever happens to be important to you. So, if you have yeah. you're looking at your at the, your, your, your the countdown, you go, "Well, if enjoying yourself is of maximum importance, then you shouldn't w- waste five minutes not enjoying yourself." For example. Yeah, it's it's very, <laughs> but it is very interesting when you when you consider um, how to reinterpret time not from just an hours and minutes perspective. I mean, that, you know, that, that idea I came up with, I was just, I was just thinking, how do we, how do, what's important about time to us? How do we, how do we use time? Yeah. In a bad way, I can tell you. <laughs> I feel, Benoit, that you use, you, I feel that you're probably pretty efficient with your use of time. I mean, I think there's always something going on up there. Yes, but I wish it was even more. Um, but uh, I'm still a human being, so sometimes... <laughs> I sleep. Right. What a waste. What a waste. What a waste. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) It is. I mean, it's funny because I was thinking about Ressence the other day and and I I was talking to a couple of friends of mine who are watch collectors. And um, Mm -hmm. and it's interesting um, that Ressence are not cheap, but they're not expensive. I mean, they're kind of, you know, in in that middle ground of of small brands, I guess. and I find that some people, are real, uh, they admire them, but then they say, but it's too expensive. And then I'm, and I, and I think, and I wonder this from a, from a traditional watchmaker, watch collector's perspective. The thing that I love about Essence is, first of all, I know that technologically speaking, you've done something extraordinary and it's an incredibly complicated watch. But the, I think the problem for, for a lot of people, or for some people rather, is that they look at it, they don't understand or see the complication, but also it doesn't have traditional signifiers of luxury watches, right? Like mm-hmm. it doesn't have gold parts mm-hmm. or skeletonized movements so you can see like the, the I, and I forget all the French words of how you... Okay, don't worry. Or, or about how I know you, them. You, you know, I'm sure you know them. So, know it, but, it, but uh, yeah, I'm sure you've heard them all before. Like, why can't you show yeah. the movement where you have like a... But anyway, so... Beep. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and it's interesting to me the way, in, and again, I go back to that idea of habit, the weight of habit, the weight yes. of history. That, yes, that and make- that's, that's the, yeah, we are, uh, we have a philosophy and a design approach that is, that is of course, um, very much influenced by design thinking um, and not by luxury. Right. But we should not forget that before the Quartz crisis, uh, mechanical watchmaking was was not about luxury. It was about functionality. Uh, you had a more precise watch. You had a more stronger watch. You had a more cheaper watch. Well, hang on. I mean, uh, think about all those incredible Audemars Piguet from the 60s with extraordinary case designs. I mean, that was a, you know, the, the 
the, I mean, even and the Pateks by uh, what's his name, Gilbert. Uh, yeah. Shit, I can't remember his name. Now. Anyway, but that was a that was a statement about luxury. Um, it wouldn't was, you say? But 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 still, they were um, they were not saying they were luxurious, or they were not stating that they were um, high end because of um, putting. Uh, a posh family in a Geneva apartment, uh, looking on the lake. Uh, they, they. What are you talking about? Advertising a, her? Or, or? I, I'm not saying anything. I'm okay. just giving an example. Um, but the the idea there was was a lot more about about functionality. Uh, it is. It, it's it's something more recent that, um, let's say, a Rolex is a luxurious product. I think in the 60s, a Rolex was a, a very strong watch or a very precise watch or a very adventurous watch or whatever. Um, it, these, these, these positionings have evolved in time. Um, and what we have done with Ressence is that, uh, I told you, we have put functionality at the core. We start with function. Um, and when you start with functionality and you don't start with brand or image or luxury or tradition or craftsmanship. Um, so when you start with functionality, uh, you have, you have a form follow function logics. Um, you apply those. Um, I explained to you that our brain works a certain way and we try to adapt to the brain. We, we try to adapt to the wrist. We try to adapt to the eyes, uh, et cetera. Um, so we adapt to the human, uh, we adapt to the person that wears the watch. Um, and that's how you can improve the functionality of what you do. The oil inside your watch is because you have the only mechanical diver watch that you can read underwater. Uh, there are no others, uh, even though we believe that many other diver watches are super diver watches, but you can't read them underwater properly. So are they a very good diver watch? I don't think so. Um, but if you have a watch in, underwater that you can read under any angle and you can even read it better underwater than you have it now on your wrist, I invite you to test it. Um, you will see that um, this is a better product functionally. Um, and it doesn't look expensive, maybe, because our starting point is not looking expensive or looking luxurious. Our starting point is function. And we try to make it look nice, of course, but we don't use the codes that the industry right. has been that, that, telling that, us yeah. to like that's for my, years. Well, that's my point. And that's what's, I think, in a way, quite revolutionary because you're not, you're not participating in those, in those habits. Because yeah, you're driven, that's, you're driven that's by a other handicap, things. and it's a it's a maybe a weakness or, or or a threat or whatever you could call it in a SWOT analysis. But uh, for us, it's it's an advantage. I, d um, I don't think it's a, I, that. I, I don't think it's a weakness. I just I think that it's. Um, yeah, but I, it's I think, difficult. It, I think it's a. Um, I think we, it's we, it's we a longer it. path. It's, it's more. It's more difficult to sell a product um, that looks simple and and say inside it's very complicated. Sure. Um, I. I always say to my my colleagues that, yeah, they're in a way they're more, they're more intelligent than me because they you see it's expensive, right? When you look at it, say, oh my goodness, this must be an expensive watch, <laughs> right? Um, whereas with us, yeah, it looks very well. Your watch looks very very simple. 
uh, it even looks like electronics inside. So even though it's not, but um, well, that's so, why I said at the beginning of at the beginning of the conversation, I said that what, mm. in a way, what you've done is you've chosen quite a hard path because you have this extraordinary, you have a new visual language, you have extraordinary technology that's not visible, and as we're saying, you don't have these visual markers that say, oh, I've just spent a lot of money on a watch, which for some people who buy watches, it's important that people look at their watch and go, oh, you spent a lot of money on your watch. Like Richard Mille, for instance. <laughs> I mean, I, but, he's, but he's intelligent. Um, yeah. In his way, he has, he has a very intelligent approach. He says, I'm making a very expensive watch and I make sure that you recognize it. Exactly. Um, and he has, he has a certain clients for that that's perfect yep. we all have our own clients and and that's the nice thing about watchmaking is that i don't try to take richard mill clients from richard mill and they they have they like richard mill and, and i hope i have others that maybe prefer Hessens. and 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 that's that's for all of us in in watchmaking if we if we have a, a real positioning and, and a distinctive positioning um so i don't have a i don't absolutely don't have a problem with that um I think it's interesting that a watch is, is in the end, a watch is an avatar of you. Of course. And, uh, if, if, if you sell an avatar, uh, well, it represents you. And, um, and it's true when, when, when you gather with friends that are all wearing certain watches and you look around the table and you see, okay, this guy has a twenty-five thousand dollar watch, and this guy has a forty-five thousand watch, and he has one. He has, must have been waiting three years to get it. <laughs> and then there is a guy, and then there is a guy we don't know. What is he wearing? Right. It's interesting. It looks very different. Well, it's I can tell you story. when I go to the uh, the watch sausage parties, <laughs> which because it's always <laughs> men, I'm the only guy wearing one of these things, and and people are always always interested, always interested, and it uh, and yeah. as you say, I mean, I, I I've I've said this before, but collecting anything is a reflection of who you are, um, mm. and I find often that sure. what I find often and 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 slightly disappointingly that often people collect a reflection of who everyone else is, um, and and, yeah, well, and you you many people buy watches for the others. That's right. Um, and uh, I think for independent brands, and I'm part of it, you, you people that buy independent brands very often buy them for themselves. That's right. Um, and uh, you bought the Ressence for yourself. You, when you bought the Ressence, you were not thinking, oh, I'm going to buy this because I think my friend's going to find it's cool. <laughs> uh, but, but you do that for other brands. Sure. Uh, and, and it's perfect. Again, it's perfect. It's, it's, a, social, it's a social tool, a watch. Um, so, but you also have a social tool, but you use it in a different way where your friends use it. Look, I have so much money. You say, look, I have so much brains. <laughs> so it's, it's not, it's not the same. I say, look, you have no idea what I'm wearing. <laughs> well, I, I, look, I mean, I, I think we're similar in some ways in that we are both reflexive contrarians. <laughs> that's a very complicated word <laughs> well i work when I, I used to work in advertising for years and a boss and one of my bosses who was this incredible guru he said yeah. he said phil you're a pathological contrarian and i, was, and I thought <laughs> oh that's you know what i never knew but it's absolutely true and i feel like you benoit are also a pathological contrarian bon, like thank you, you very much on est frères ensemble but 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 because i think that there's a there's a reflex within you that looks at things and says how can I, why is it being done this way? Yep. 
and that's but and that's, that's and that's why you have this, which is fantastic. Yeah, but we should also we should all be like that. I think as designers, <laughs> we should all be like that. Sure. Well, yes, but some people, I find that I think it's it's very hard. It takes courage and and being a pathological contrarian to resist the gravitational pull of the norm because the gravitational pull of habit of history is extraordinary. Mm. And, mm. and I mean, often I, yeah. I, do, I do things where I'm making art and I think, hang on, this thing I'm working on, I'm doing it because I, I'm being influenced. And when you be suddenly become aware of the influence, the power of the influence, it's shocking yeah. that you didn't see it before. Yeah, but uh, on the other hand, um, I, it's true. Uh, we have another approach, but still, I am, I believe, practical enough to think that it should. I want to be original, but not marginal. Right. And um, and there is a, a balance there. Uh, you can go over the top. Uh, well, you're, you're, there are look, some examples. You, you you don't want to be original for the sake of originality, yeah, because then it's just sure. because then, as you say, because then it's then it's just um, it's a little bit circusy or clownish. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, but then then you lose your credibility. But sure. Um, but there is there is no problem in being being original if if it's if it's, if there's a good reason to do it. Um, you know, um, evolution. Uh, always happened uh, through creativity, and uh, I think creativity is is the basis of of every evolution. Um, and we are all people that are successful are nearly per definition creative, um, and in their own way. Yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, not because they can design things better than the others or something like that. It can also be um, whatever more being more creative in in uh, in selling uh, apples uh, okay sure. you do it in a different way than the others and because of that you are more creative um, and more successful so the, the the creativity is 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 really at the basis of and um, it's a value that in our society is maybe not uh, it has a low esteem in a way because it's it's always related to yeah art arty uh, well, it's very hard. To, it's very so, hard to. It, not so serious. It's hard to quantify, yeah, and yeah, it's hard to but, apply a, a fix of a, a value on creativity. Yeah. And as you say, because creativity yeah. manifests itself in so many ways, like you can be an amazing apple seller, or you can be an amazing inventor of a new way of reading the time. It's hard. Yeah. It's 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 foggy. It's foggy, and sometimes, uh, but you have to apply. You have to apply certain specifications to yourself in your creativity and i think that's sometimes what what people find funny about artists is that yeah they come with things as you say what is this um so they lose the link uh with with what is has been done with what they know right uh and that is that is why a recense watch had to look like a watch uh i could have done products that or something that indicates the time that doesn't even look like a watch anymore. Um, but then I think for me, I would have gone too far in the creativity. So it was this very delicate balance to find this delicate balance between you know, being creative, being relevant, but, but not too, not going too far. It's, it's, that's how we started the discussion. How, you know what? You when know, are you ready? When are you ready? You, you know, 
You know where that, that tension is playing out now is uh, I see is in the design of electric cars. Mm-hmm. Because there is this tension between referencing design habits that have existed for the last 70 mm-hmm. or 80 years, grills, etc., and the desire yeah. to say, and the, and, the, and, the, and the fact that we don't need that design language anymore. Yeah, that's true. I was I was in that in this uh, car event this weekend, and I, I was judged together with Steve Krantz. Steve Krantz is one of the uh, McLaren uh, designers, and uh, we had interesting conversations about electric cars. Uh, first of all, he told me that his clients don't want an electric car. <laughs> okay, and then you have already a problem as a car producer. You have a very um, finite. You have a very finite lifespan. <laughs> They can't yeah, produce yeah, it if you. Yeah. So and then and then he's and then he said, you know, the problem with with electric cars. Uh, for example, we had the discussion about Tesla, um, because the first Teslas they still had a, gr- a that's right grill in the front. Yeah. Um, I always that hated that. Typically that. That was typically that. Uh, it's okay. We want to make a car, but should look like a normal car, even though it's electric. Right. We should not go too far. So they decided, okay, grill is minimum. If you don't put a grill, it looks funny. Right. Um, so let's not let's keep the fake grill. Let's keep the fake exhausts uh, in the back, um, even though you don't see exhaust, but it feels like there is something there. Um, but yeah, an electric car could could be just a, a driving bubble. Sure. Uh, there is no there is it has no functionality, and the grill is a functional thing. The but we have got so much used to this archetype of the car. Right. Um, and that's probably what you what you refer to with your friends and say uh, it doesn't fit the archetype of a watch. That's right. Um, but yeah. If but then have, I wonder, but then another, I wonder, think, have, think about the, t- the Tesla Cybertruck and how mm-hmm. it w- there was, it was, ex- there was, it was a very binary reaction, but there were so many positive. Re- I mean, I saw that and thought, this is the future I was promised. This is the future when I was a kid, <laughs> I wanted this thing. And I just think, yeah. I wonder if, uh, I, just, I wonder what the acceptance would be if you designed a watch that was extraordinarily futuristic or of, te- or of the designed electric car that was a, a bubble. And they said, this is the car. I wonder if people would mm-hmm. say, finally, this is what we want. We don't need any of the, you know, the pretend grills and exhaust yeah. or people would be alarmed by it. I, I don't know what the answer is to that. Well, that's again, we, we refer to the social uh, aspect of, of the fact we are humans and that we are a bit like sheeps uh, and we behave in social groups and we react to social behavior. Um, and so we have to have a product that reflects our social status in the group. Um, so yes, it plays a very important role and it's it takes a lot of courage to say, okay, I'm not part of that. I'm going to do my own thing or I believe that this is more relevant right. or this is more uh, to the point, um, and so yeah. But for example, these 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 new electric cars. I think Tesla did a good job. But for example, Mercedes was was one of the big brands during the event, and they presented their high end electric car. It looks funny because it's very high because of the layer of batteries underneath. Um, so they couldn't find the right proportions for this new technical concept um, and before you had an engine in the front and then basically it was empty uh, it was just body and there's nothing just some seats or what but there's no thickness or some but with an electric car suddenly the engine that is in the front is spread all over the car underneath so and with the batteries they have like a 10 centimeter 
thick layer uh, filled with batteries. And there's no engine anymore because the engine is in the wheels. Yeah. So, but still they put a bonnet. Right. You don't need it. There's, right. there's, there's no reason for it. Right. But they still put a bonnet. So you have a high car, but with a bonnet, it, it looks it looks very weird. Um, I would love to so, see your version of electric car, Benoit. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. that in your in the 2.3 minutes of spare time you may have on a daily basis, you sketch some electric cars somewhere. <laughs> I wish, um, but I think car design is such a specific <laughs> job. Um, I tried sometimes in my spare time, but I think. It's very, very specific sure. to design cars. And I have to say that also when you look at car design the last 10 years, what changed basically? Right. They're a bit at the end of a, of a cycle, it seems. Yeah. You can make it even more aggressive and even more edgy and even more this and even more that. But, but, but yes, at a certain point, yeah, that's it. You will end. We all end with driving for um, Lamborghinis or whatever. You know, uh, it's you can't go further than a certain point. Um, well, and, mechanically or technologically, they're all more or less at the same level. Yeah. So of then, course. I mean, I have this secret dream that that we're at kind of the dawn of a, an extraordinary industrial design revolution in cars because mm. the electric drivetrain has freed up as everyone knows, has freed up the space. Now, you don't, as you say, you don't need a bonnet, you don't need all this stuff. So let's see what we can do without all that, yeah. the history but, stuff. But still, but still they, they, keep, they keep this archetype of the car, bonnet, uh, the back, I don't know how you call it. Trunk. And then the, and then the body uh, and the four wheels. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we, we are afraid, um, and I understand these companies, uh, the, the investments they do is so sure. big. Uh, they cannot take the risk to do a funny car. Uh, it's it's a too too big risk for them to do this. Um, I was um, at Lucid uh, in the US because you don't see them uh, in Europe. At least I never saw one. But I went to a Lucid store in New York, and it's it's fun because also there you see that they try to match the archetype. They try to match the Mercedes. They try to match. The BMW and they try to mix this together and then there's the Tesla of course and they they make and then they say okay this is this is a lucid it looks really nice but um, but they did not rethink the car from the technology they, right they rethought the car with the archetype and then they added some technology in a different and then they to, to squeeze it all in right uh, but if you could if you could really say okay this is the platform. Let's think about what can we do with this? How can we build something completely new starting from this platform? You probably end up with something very, very different. We need a recense car. <laughs> you should talk. Um, uh, yes, maybe. <laughs> you should talk to your friend Tony uh, Fadel. <laughs> See what he has to say about that. I will ask, I will ask him. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, we, we've been... in a car plant. Yeah. Well, look, Benoit, thank you. I mean, we've been talking for quite a while now. Um, Too long. Yeah, yes. probably. Well, but I just, I, I, I wonder, it's, it's been utterly fascinating. Um, just, uh, I don't thank know, just, it's, it has, it's been really intriguing. And, and hopefully we talked about stuff that you don't normally talk about. <laughs> or some parts <laughs> of it, some parts, I'm hoping. 
but parts, but thank you so much for coming on um and it was a real joy to talk to you uh and i'm gonna run back home now and see if the <laughs> recent watch has arrived or not <laughs> i hope so yeah. enjoy it thank you so much it's man. really nice and thanks thank for coming man of course thank you cheers bye-bye